SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hey, hey, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next two hours, we are going to take a deep dive into the Sweet 16. I've got a pair of guests I'm going to bring in for us today. Dave Sherapin, veteran uh, odds maker, both in the global marketplace and here uh, in Las Vegas, my hometown. Dave's going to join us in hour number one. We're going to talk how the opening weekend went for the bookmakers. We're going to give a bookmaking perspective on what's going on uh, in March Madness. And if we have time, we'll delve into a little MLB preseason thoughts. Hour number two, I'm going to bring in Ralph Michaels, the TNA man. Trends and angles, that kind of TNA people. Ralph, a guy who absolutely knows how to work a database better than anybody I know, is going to talk about the trends and angles we want to be aware of in the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 rounds of the tournament. There's a doozy, by the way, if a number one seed gets knocked off this in the Sweet 16 round. You want to be aware of what the record is for the teams that did the knocking off of the number one seeds when they come to the Elite 8. So, Ralph's going to break down all the trends and angles. Dave Sherapin's going to talk about the betting marketplace as a whole. And I'm going to talk about college hoops. NFL, <laughs> NBA, you know what I do. This show, of course, all about the bigger picture when it comes to sports betting. This is not a pick show. If you want picks, yeah, we're going to go through the games. We're going to talk about who we like, but the key issue is why. <laughs> you know, it's not who, it's why and how. We'll also talk betting strategies here on the show. And I want to talk a little bit about how my March Madness opening weekend went. It's funny. Well, it's not funny. I lost two really big plays. But I came into the tournament with two thought processes. One was absolutely right. I wanted to bet against the Mountain West. And the Mountain West went 0-2. I bet against uh, San Diego State uh, successfully. (laughs) And uh, Utah State as well. My other thought process coming into the tournament was to bet against the Pac-12. And that has not worked out very well, to put it mildly. I had a big bet on uh, Oklahoma State against Oregon State saying, man, this is a Beavers team that's played over their heads for weeks. Now they're running into a real opponent. I was wrong. I was flat out wrong. Look, Oregon State played out of their mind in that game. But they've been playing out of their mind for the last month. And I didn't see it. I didn't believe it. And I lost as a result. And then I followed that up with, uh, (laughs) my clients hate me. They certainly hated me on Monday. With a big bet on the Kansas Jayhawks over USC. And my thought, look, I've seen, I had seen USC's A game before. I know their A game's really good. But I've also seen a lot of USC D game. (laughs) You know, I watched Utah outclass them. I watched them struggle against Cal and struggle against Stanford. Those are not good Pac-12 teams by any stretch uh, of the imagination. From a talent level standpoint, from an NBA talent standpoint, USC's there. I thought Kansas would throw them off their game. And at least they didn't have to sweat that one. That was over 
well before halftime, and there was no coming back for the Kansas Jayhawks there. So of the two betting strategies I had going into the tournament, fade the Mountain West, fade the Pac-12, one was good, the other not just bad, really bad, because the Pac-12 kept on winning, which gave me more opportunities to bet against them. And that obviously didn't pan out well over the course of the four days. And it's really interesting because when you talk to people around town, we're going to have uh, Dave on, uh, Sheriff on in just a moment. We're going to talk uh, about what was going on in Vegas last weekend in terms of the, the word around town, the books, et cetera, et cetera. But the buzz around town all last weekend was all dogs, all dogs, all dogs, all dogs, all dogs, which it was on Saturday and Sunday. Friday was a uh, basically a break-even day for, I think it was the dogs. And there was a couple of games that I counted as, as pushes. Uh, pick them. You know, maybe where both teams were favoring. Like Florida, Virginia Tech was one of them. I think the Missouri-Oklahoma game was another one uh, that I didn't count in terms of my grading of the favorites versus the dogs. But Saturday and Sunday, all dogs. And that got all the headlines. Friday, the opening day of the tournament, was a 50-50 day. I think it was 8-7-1 and one, uh, favorites, dogs, or dogs, favorites. I don't really remember. But Monday, the last day of basketball that we've seen before today, obviously, was all chalk. And I mean seriously all chalk. Eight games, seven of them decided by double-digit margins. The favorites went 7-1 and one ATS. But by that point... By Monday, the narrative had already been written. Oh, it's all dogs. It's a dog tournament. Look at all these double-digit seeds. <laughs> Whereas, uh, meanwhile, I mean, the only single-digit game was Michigan against LSU. And Michigan covered there at minus four and a half. They won by eight. Florida State was a favorite against Colorado. They won by 18. UCLA was a favorite against Abilene Christian. They won by 20. Alabama was a favorite over Maryland. They won by 19. <laughs> you know? Uh, Gonzaga covered against Oklahoma, much to my chagrin in the closing seconds. That one wasn't fun. They were the chalk in that game. Creighton was the chalk uh, uh, over Ohio. Um, and, you know, so you had Oregon upsetting Iowa, and then USC went off the favorite. They don't even count as being one of the underdogs that cashed in. So, yes, it's been a dog tournament, but the favorites cashed the last time we saw them. We may see more of that this weekend. Stay tuned. We'll break it down. Coming up right here on Cover It with Teddy Cover, Sirius XM, Channel 2. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers, and I am joined now by one of my favorite guests. You've had him on once, and again, the show's only been around since January. We're really just scratching the surface of what we want to do each week here on Cover It, but the repeat guests you got to have on. I got a pair of them today, especially when it comes to Sweet 16 talk. I'm excited to bring in veteran Las Vegas and global odds maker Dave Sharp and Dave. At Sportsbook Consig, I shouldn't say that, at SportsBK Consig, Sportsbook Consigliere on Twitter. Mr. Sheriff, and welcome to the program. 
Teddy Theodore covers. You <laughs> are the man. I mean, like, I, I, I'm just excited to be here today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We don't have much time to do it. I think that was a line from from Smoking the Bandit back in the day. Long well, the, way to the go Teddy and a Theodore, short time to get there. The, the Teddy Theodore covers. You're, you're uh, going into uh, um, what am I speaking on? Uh, spacing on right now. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, oh, okay. The theater, you know, Ted Theodore Logan. And, and by the way, the only one who's allowed to call me Theodore is my mom, and only when she's <laughs> mad at me. So uh, Teddy is fine. Uh, Ted okay. is fine. Mr. T, whatever you want to go. But Whoa. Theodore, that's a, that's a, because instinctively, when someone calls me that, I clench up. Because that's what my mom used to, you know, Theodore, when I was in yeah. trouble as a kid. You know, it's just it's, yeah. it's a psychological reaction. Uh, but it's Same a Same thing for reaction. me when I, I hear sweating. David. Yep, same thing when I hear David. There's only a couple people that call me it, and they're all uh, women, and they're all uh, bosses between my wife and my mother-in-law and my own mother. Those are the three, and that's a three-team parlay that I know something bad is usually coming after it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you get David's from all three of them, you know uh, that it's trouble. Uh, and, Dave, you're a guy who's been around the industry as long, if not longer, than I have. I was a guy that... Uh, Began my professional betting career in the late 90s. You worked uh, globally for many years, and you came to Vegas and have worked uh, in the sports books here in Vegas for many years. I want to ask, and uh, we don't need to be specific in talking about sports books, so the, the global markets versus the uh, U.S. legal regulated market, but is there a difference when it comes to March Madness in Vegas versus March Madness globally? And if so, what is it? Oh, man. So, yeah, I was back. Uh, I was down in Curacao back in the late 90s. And this wasn't the event that it is now. Um, I, I would say even, you know, I started when I got to Vegas and started in the books, it was 2004. Um, and it's grown leaps and bounds since then. I mean, what it's become in Vegas is there's nothing to compare it to. It is the event. It is the biggest four days combined of the entire year. It is the week before Christmas for retailers. I mean, it is everything you could want and more between the action, the parties, um, the different bets available. It, it's just continued to just ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. And I've been a part of, like, the special uh, events at each place, a lot of times that I worked, I was the guy that, you know, they said, you know, Sherapan, you show up at 6 a.m., you open the room, and you close the room at the halftime at the last game. So it was 14, 16-hour days, you know, at least the first three days of the first weekend. And the last days, usually a lot of people leaving, and you kind of, you know, it's getaway day, I always called it. But, man, it's it's way different than it is offshore. I mean, like, the, the, the amount of... Uh, the amount of square money in this pool is incredible. And I use that term loosely. I hate that term square. I, I, I've been trying to use, you know, rhombuses and parallelograms so people don't get upset. No one's a square. I mean, you don't have to be. And people get upset when you say that. But there's just more money for the books in this weekend. And people ask me, is it hard to book this weekend because there's so much action? And it's the easiest week to book because – you don't really have to move the numbers. You have action all, on all sides. The number is what it is. I mean, I've looked at the numbers all week this week that almost nothing has moved, which tells me that, like, there's enough action. There's going to be more action. Everything comes the day of 
or the day before. So it's huge, man. It's 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 way different than it is. Um, I think it's more of just another day, maybe a little busier globally. But in Vegas, man, it is it is everything. And I mean, you were out and about last weekend a fair bit. <laughs> um, how was town? Was town hopping? I mean, it really felt like. I'm not going to say Vegas is back because the nightclubs aren't back and the shows aren't back yet. Uh, you know, not certainly not all of them. Um, the restaurants still close early, but it sure felt busier in Las Vegas for the first four days of March Madison. It has at any point uh, since the shutdown. Agree or disagree? Hundred percent, yes. At least on Friday and Saturday. Now, the NCAA has, has is the best tournament tournament, however you say it. In the world. It's awesome. And Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday has been the format forever. And in the midst of a pandemic and everything else, they moved it to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, I can tell you this. I was out Friday. I was out Saturday. And it was, it it, it felt like old times. It was awesome. I mean, like, if you had a capacity limit, it was likely reached in the book. Um there was action. There was cheering. The, the, the games delivered. You know, there were upsets. There were games that came down to the last bucket as far as the spread. It was everything you could ask for. Sunday, it really thinned out. I spent the day Sunday down at the Westgate, and it was just it – was, it was fun, but it was lighter. And then Monday, I don't know. I just stopped at, at two different places. I was at the South Point. I stopped at the Red Rock as well, and it was light. It was just – People had gone. I mean, like I saw people at the book with their bags next to them ready to go at the halftime of the early session because they had to go catch a flight, catch an Uber, get on the road back to wherever they drove here from. So it was a little bit different in that regard. It didn't have the completeness of years past, but, man, it felt good. We didn't have anything last year, so this was way better than that, and this was closer to 2019-18 than anything yet, uh, even the Super Bowl. It was awesome. Yeah, psychologically, it really felt to me uh, like there was a a boost in this town. And you talked about how it's gotten bigger over the years. I still remember my my very first March Madness in Vegas. I moved out here August of 98 for football season. I got here right for the start of the preseason. So my first March Madness in town was uh, in 99. And the opening weekend was insane. It was, it was every bit as busy then as, as we say it is now. But the second weekend was dead. And I remember watching the national championship game. At, at that point, it was called the Las Vegas Hilton, which is now the Westgate Superbook. And it was quiet. There was like 10 of us in there. And it's a pretty cavernous <laughs> place. Uh, so certainly, I think the second and the third weekend of the tournament are bigger now than they were 20 years ago, that opening weekend, it's always been big. Come on, dude. It's always been. You know, I've never seen a quiet uh, opening weekend of March Madness. Now, uh, Dave, you talked about the fact that Monday it was quieter in the books. A lot of the folks, if they hadn't flown home already, they were flying home, and the action was lighter. Monday also happened to be the only day where the favorites were destroying the underdog. (laughs) And the chalk went 7-1 and uh, on Monday, and it was basically all blowouts. Is the fact that those games were played on Monday, let's say, instead of Saturday, does that, was that good for the books? Was that bad for the books? Had it played out differently, 
would the results have been different around town? Because I know it was a pretty profitable weekend for many of the bookmakers here in Las Vegas. we got about 30 seconds before the break. Yeah, it was a really good Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the books. Monday was get-back day, which is what I like to call it, and there was nobody here to get back anything. Um, it was definitely a beneficial to the books. It, it was another case of somehow the books always win. Whether they win or not, they always get you one way or the other. Uh, that's from, of course, the veteran uh, Las Vegas Ozmaker, Dave Sheriff. And Dave, when we come back from this break, I'm going to talk about advice for betters in the Sweet 16. I'm going to talk about advice for betters in the Elite 8. In the Elite eight. I'm going to book report, and we're going to break down eight games. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grand Radio Network. Dave Sherapen joined us in segment one. He's going to join us here in segment two, and he'll be back for one more segment after this one. So be sure to stay tuned for this whole hour if you want to hear everything this veteran oddsmaker has to say about the Sweet 16, about the Elite Eight. And let's start right there, Dave. What advice would you have for betters? And in in the previous segment, you were talking about you don't like the sharp versus the square. I agree with that. I call them, what I've been trying to use is professional bettors, guys who make at least a portion of their living from betting on sports, versus recreational players who aren't necessarily trying to make a living off this (laughs) the way that professional bettors are. So let's just say the recreational uh, players. What advice would you give them? For the Sweet 16 round, do we want to believe what we saw last weekend or maybe not so much? Oh, man. This weekend was always my favorite weekend to come uh, to Vegas before I worked in the books. When, when I grabbed, you know, my boy band and got everybody together, we did the original weekend <laughs> and, and, you know, it was busy. It was crowded. It was hard to get bets and stuff like that. And then I started coming the second weekend, and I loved it because it was way less crowds, but the betting opportunities were – it just seemed clearer because the games are better. The teams are better. Um, the, the the lines are smaller. It just felt – I don't know. I liked it more just without all of the, the crowd. Now, the, when you work in the book, you, you appreciate it all. The advice I would give is 100% don't believe anything you saw – last weekend as fun as it was as good as it was and as great as the games may have been erase it all from your memory and look at the numbers this week because they've been adjusted the numbers this time of year are the best they've been all year and you have to understand that going in so you're not stealing anything you're not pulling the the wool over anyone's eyes with any of these numbers or any of these plays you know, you may win a game by 20 points when you're laying two and a half. That's awesome. But I'm telling you, the books are okay with that. Um, I think you have to – one of my things that I've all, I've said for the for years is that this week 
the Blue Bloods really separate themselves. And as good of a story as some of these teams may be or may have been, especially winning two games last week, maybe both as underdogs, or winning the last six games they've played all as underdogs, you can't you can't let that cloud your thinking going into this weekend. I just think um, tread cautiously with the dogs. You know, they got there last week, except for Monday. Um, but this week, I think you really got to dive into, like, who's got the better, you know, maybe top eight players and who really takes care of the basketball. That's the one I really look at. Who shoots their free throws well, turns the ball over less, and rebounds, especially on a defensive end of the court. Now, one of the angles that I really liked for Sweet 16 weekend was to bet against the Oral Roberts of the world, to bet against uh, the Oregon States, who have now, how many upsets in a row have the, the Beavers pulled off? <laughs> you know, it feels like an infinite number. Yep. Of upsets because and and part of that was the dynamic of the tournament. All right, you play yourself in like both those teams did. You know, balls to the wall to win your conference tournament. Then you have that opening weekend where you pull off not one but two upsets, and then you get a chance to go home back to campus for a couple of days, and everyone tells you how great you are, and then you have to go back on the road to the Sweet Sixteen site and face quality competition. And those teams, again, historically, the upstarts can make the Sweet 16, but the double-digit seeds don't go a whole lot further than that. But the tournament this year, Dave, is different because everyone's staying in Indianapolis. No one's flying home during the week and then back again, which means they don't get that. We go home, we've accomplished something, let's pat ourselves on the back, let down. Is that dynamic legitimately different this year than it's been in years past? Or is that just something that I'm working myself up over and it doesn't really matter that much? <laughs> no. And <laughs> listen, you don't, you, you don't you know. Work yourself, you work yourself up over a lot of things, and that's fine. <laughs> and I think you're actually right this time, and that's why I enjoy talking to you as much as we do because you always kind of you know, maybe see things that other people aren't. Listen, the bubble last year in the book for like the NBA, the NHL, it was tough. It you know, and I think I think bookmakers, odds makers, we got lazy because you just took your power ratings, took your numbers, threw it up. You didn't really look at the results. There was no travel, there was no crowds, all these stuff that maybe, you know, may have factored into the line wasn't there. So they just kept putting up the same number. This year's different for the the, the tournament in that regard exactly because that was, a, I think, that was a really good angle as to why a lot of the dogs didn't get there, which you know, and I just said it maybe three minutes ago. Bavona could tell us. I mean, there it was three or four minutes ago. I said, "Don't believe what you saw," but now you may have to with a couple of these dogs, like, and don't discount them because now, I mean, in any sport, when the dog believes, when there is belief on that bench in that locker room on that sideline, they're dangerous. And the numbers, the numbers are the numbers. You just put them up and you take the bets. Um, I think a team like Oral Roberts, you know, it's a complete mismatch against Arkansas. Athlete-wise, um, you know, I, I don't know if Oral Roberts is going to get 10 rebounds the whole game. Like, it's going to be like middle school kids playing with college kids as far as rebounding and stuff like that. But 
they could actually keep the game close. Like, I don't think it's a total runout. I mean, you know, and then there's another game where there might be a total runout. Like, Creighton has to hit every one of their threes. Otherwise, that one looks like, to me, that could be the runout. And those are the two biggest spreads of the weekend, which, again, I wouldn't actually look to play if I was betting. But I think the storylines, there's a storyline in every game. And the fact that they've been there, they won two games, or in some cases, three, to, to, to get to where they're at just in the tournament, let alone what they did in their own postseason tournament. Now they've been hanging out, uh, you know, and, and you know, when you go on the road with the boys and you start building that momentum and hanging out and not going anywhere else, eating every meal together most likely, and um, you, you believe. And I think it's going to lead to some very interesting games. I don't know if they'll all get there or not, but it's going to be fun, and I think it's definitely different than it has been ever because of that reason. Well, let's segue into the games. Uh, I think that's a great uh, place to leave off the theory uh, and get into the practice. Eight Sweet Six games, uh, Sweet 16 games uh, on tap uh, for uh, the next uh, two days. And normally, I, when I break down games, I'm going to go in rotation order. But today I'm going in tip-off order. That way, if you're listening to this podcast time uh, after the fact, you can fast forward through the first couple of games or fast forward through the Saturday games to get to the Sunday uh, easy enough. So let's go with the opening tip-off. And you talk about a team. To me, this team is the most, not necessarily the most surprising team of the tournament, but I'll say that Oregon State is the team I'm least likely to say forget about what they did last weekend because Oregon State's been doing this for the better part of six weeks now. Mm-hmm. A team that was awful <laughs> in December yeah. and January and has come on like gangbusters down the stretch. They're dogs against Loyola. Everyone's darling. Sister Jean and company. Um, Loyola, we love them as dogs. Do we like them as favorites? And is what we've seen from Oregon State now, again, this isn't a week or two weeks. This is now six weeks Oregon State played what, like 20 points better than their season-long power rating yeah. would indicate? Uh, what do we do with this game, if anything? Uh, I don't know, to, to be perfectly honest. I, I know the books are going to need Oregon State. This is going to start off Saturday with a big need for the books. This is going to be one of the biggest uh, recreational player plays. Uh, Sister Jean's a great story. I said on another show, if you weren't religious before this, I mean, you see these runs as she takes you to the, to the Sweet 16 in a Final Four. Maybe it's worth <laughs> a shot. I don't know. But, I mean, <laughs> Crutwig is, 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 is every man as far as a basketball player, which you'd love to, you know, as a guy to have on your team. And I can't name one guy on Oregon State's team. I can't name – I've just seen them continue to cover spreads, win games, be a dog – consistently and just advance. So I think it's worth a look for sure. Plus the points, I think it's You know, it's going up and it's probably going to get to a point where, you know, the bad guys are going to come in and play Oregon state and them and the books are the only ones that are going to going to want Oregon state to cover, let alone win the total in this thing. Teddy is interesting to me. It's the lowest total. uh, I mean, of the entire thing, 125. I, 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 when I saw it, I thought, is that a mistake? This is a college basketball game. Um, and I would look to play the under. Like, this is going to be one of those, this is going to look like Hoosiers. This is going to be one of those slow down games that um, I think it's going to be tight and, and possessions are going to be very valuable. 
very good uh, fundamentally played game, defensive game. Uh, it's going to start off the whole weekend. It, it's going to be fun to watch. So it is worth noting that Oregon State, 7-1 and one to the over in their last eight overall. Mm-hmm. And Oregon State, margins of point spread victory in their last five games. It's against the spread margins. Plus 10, plus 19.5, plus wow. 10.5, plus 22.5, plus 16. Woo! So we're talking about a team that has absolutely annihilated their season-long power rating over the course of the last couple of weeks. We've still got seven more games to break down. Sweet 16 action today and tomorrow. Stay tuned. Coverage continues right here. Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grand Radio SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid. Radio Network. We're breaking down the Sweet 16 with veteran Las Vegas oddsmaker Dave Sheriff. And Dave, we just talked Oregon State Loyola before the break, and I think you and I are, are, are in sync on that one. I could only take the Beavers, and I'm probably not going to take the Beavers. It's one of those games where <laughs> maybe you get there to the window uh, with Oregon State, but certainly a team whose poverty number does not reflect their current reality. What about the next game, Villanova and Baylor? Baylor's a team who was power rated through the roof early in the season, and then they kind of came back to earth a little bit. Nova's a team who the markets crashed on as soon as Gillespie got hurt, and yet here they are in the Sweet 16, and yet all of the sharp money, all the professional money has come for the favorite in this one. We've seen the wise guys make a clear choice. They like the Baylor Bears. They do. Uh, this thing has gone up from the opening number, six, six and a half. I see seven and a half pretty much painted across the, the world. And you can't blame them. Um, Jay Wright's a great coach. Uh, you know, you had to adjust to your best player getting hurt, and you just got thrown into it. They lost a couple games. Now you had a week to practice or gather yourselves, change the way you do things. And Villanova just um, really impressive in their first two games. Now they get Baylor, who to me – Looks like Baylor did pre-COVID, pre their break. This this team looks like the they can wear the national champion hat, belt, whatever you give them when they win it, they can wear it. Um, you get into that number though, seven and a half has been the, the point now where it's stopped. Like, okay. Um, more than two possessions. When you get over six, that's where it gets interesting. I don't know how much higher this thing's gonna go, but I am not looking to take Nova in the spot until it gets a little bit higher, or maybe like an in-game play, something like that, because you know they're not going to go away and they're going to battle uh, up to the end of the game. But they just may not have enough horses to, to run with uh, with Baylor in this one. So Baylor, one of the number one seeds. Arkansas is not a number one seed, and yet Arkansas laying double digits to the tourney upstart, Oral Roberts. Um, these two teams played back in December. Now, admittedly, very different circumstances. It was in Fayetteville. 
and much less at stake for a non-conference December game than there is for a Sweet 16 game in March. But that game was a tale of two halves. The first half, Oral Roberts hit a bunch of shots. Arkansas was jacking up threes. And the Razorbacks went into the break down 10. They came out of the break in the second half and pounded the paint. I think they only took eight three-pointers in the second half. And they outscored Oral by 21 after the break and did nothing but, you know, pound into the low post and get good high-percentage looks. Does that carry forward to the rematch? I know Oral, you know, again, talking to guys around town, it looks like Oral is the popular underdog amongst recreational betters this weekend. Are you hearing the same thing? And how do you break down this matchup? Yes, absolutely. Oral is going to be a popular choice amongst the recreational betters. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's it's a fun team, and you remember what you you know. A lot of people had Oral Roberts on the money line in the first two weeks, and they paid off. So you ride this thing until until it loses. Usually, that's what the recreational guys do. The number to me is interesting because I think that that first matchup back in December was nineteen. Was the close? Yeah, nineteen and a half. Yeah, nineteen and a half. So that's a big number. This is a big adjustment from that number. I mean, you take away the home court, it's not worth that much. But I think, I think Arkansas's got to be on on alert here. This is a team I really like. Oral Roberts, uh, our friends at the show, Gabe and Cam, put me on to them uh, back in their conference tournament. They shoot from the free throw line, top ten in the country, eighty something percent. They don't turn the ball over. The problem is they're small. They don't really rebound. They're a terrible rebounding team, probably because they make a lot of their shots. But Arkansas has got athletes. Arkansas is big. And Arkansas, like you said, in the first matchup, just took it in the paint and took over the game. This is one that could get away from Oral Roberts. Um, I think the books are going to need to favorite, believe it or not, at 11 or 11 and a half. I think the books are going to need Arkansas and they're going to need the under. This total's 159 and climbing. It's the highest total of the weekend. Um, favorite and under, not usually uh, what the books need, <laughs> but that's going to be the case for this one on Saturday. Well, I mean, it's not unusual for the books to need the under. Uh, but Not with the favorites, though. Yeah, yeah that, uh, especially the double-digit favorite doesn't happen a lot. Now, when the betters are taking Oral Roberts or Villanova or Oregon State, are they taking them on the money line? Are they taking them plus the points? Is it a mix thereof? And what advice would you give to betters out there looking at backing at some of these underdogs? Would you say split your wager 50-50? Would you say take a little taste of the money line? Would you say choose one or the other and make your bet that way? Uh, talk about money line versus point spread, at least the theory thereof. The money line payouts are always much more fun. When you go to collect those, you really feel like you made a score. But um, with the way the numbers are, I think you got to take the points more often than not. So I don't even think splitting your bet. I think bet the games with the points and then sprinkle some uh, on the money line, like our friend Kelly likes to say. Sprinkle a little bit. Don't get crazy with it. Maybe throw something together, one or two. Don't go nuts and try to get them all because they all don't win. Like, all the dogs don't win. They just don't. Um, try to find the one or two that you think will and go in with them. But 
I can't tell you, especially the first week, how many times you type like a five-team parlay. And they're all ridiculous dogs. And that little $10 parlay is going to pay like, you know, it says it's going to pay 6800 But it doesn't because it never wins. <laughs> so those are great stories. Um, but, no, I think you behoove yourself to, to, to take the points in most cases. So when I'm betting underdogs on the money line, on a college football Saturday or a college basketball Saturday, I will parlay them together. Oftentimes, that's a vulnerability that the books have. Yeah. But I'm looking at two-teamers and three-teamers. And that's I'm it. robbing it that way. I'm not looking to try to get six underdogs to all win straight up to turn my 10 bucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. A couple of yeah, times. Exactly. You know, but, and again, better, you know, one of the difference between recreational bettors and professional bettors, recreational bettors are the, the, the constant searches how do I bet a little and win a lot? Yeah. And professional bettors are very comfortable, you know, uh, minus a thousand on the money line. Sure. They're going to win the game. You know, no safety in the Super Bowl. Sure. No overtime. Sure. Minus 900. Yep. Yep. Uh, they're very comfortable with the concept of laying a lot to win a little. And that one of the notable differences between pros and Joe's agree. Yes, absolutely. See it every year. I mean, almost every day. Um, but especially in big events like this, it's 100% the case. It's been the case. There's guys that have probably paid for their kids' private school education betting the no safety. And, you know, they got caught a couple times. But, yep. you know, it's just one of those things that you can basically say as the book. You're like, all right, these same guys keep coming. At least they're betting it. And thank goodness they are because no one else is. And we pay those guys eight, nine, ten, uh, nine out of ten times. Yeah, except for that one three-year span where the safety hit again and again and again, <laughs> including the first score of the game safety, oh, which oh. no bookmaker in Las Vegas will ever forget that Seahawks-Broncos nope. first score because that uh, was not a good result for the house, and that was a no. big long-shot payout. Saturday night, nightcap, Syracuse and Houston. Jim Beheim somehow, some way. Gets his double-digit orange into the Sweet 16. <laughs> this is, what, the fourth time in the last decade that Ugh. Syracuse has done it as a double-digit seed. Now they're here, though, and they have to face a Houston Cougars team that has been downright nasty. There was a big, <laughs> sharp move earlier in the week on Houston. It might say big, you know, at this time, this, at this time of the year. A <laughs> uh, big move is a point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The screen went black. Uh, which means that all, all the books got hit at once. It means it was a, uh, a sharp money move yep. uh, with money coming in on the Houston Cougars, bet up to, let's call it six and a half, uh, the prevailing line as we speak. But I think that had to do with uh, Dijon Giroux, uh being upgraded to probable. Their yep. point guard had a hip injury, and it looked like his injury status wasn't significant enough to uh, likely keep him out here. Although the reports I was reading say, you know, we're near 100%. He said he's going to be about 75%. Uh, for the game, but he is going to play, and therefore the money has come for at least some money has come uh, for the Cougars. Uh, what's your take on this, this uh, Kelvin Sampson Jim Beheim matchup? And uh, can Buddy, uh, first, I want to ask you this if your dad was a college basketball coach, have you ever played for him? And second, um, can Syracuse hang around in this one? 100% I would have played for my dad, uh, no question. But, like, the story of this game is, hey, buddy. I've been saying, hey, buddy, all week. And if Buddy shoots the lights out again, Syracuse could win this game. If Buddy does not, Syracuse could get blown out. I can't believe from 
a hundred years the two three zone has been in existence, and I can't believe how Bayheim has been able to take that two three zone and have so much success uh, in this in this tournament. I don't know what to make of this game. I don't want to touch this game. I want to watch this game, and I think that you'll have opportunities to maybe play this one in game. The total for me is an, is an under. Um, that's where I'm looking to play this game. I, I, I just think that I don't know, obviously, the, the, the questions about the health of Houston and the maybe long stretches that Syracuse may not make shots leads me to believe that this thing's going under. But I, I can't tell you the, the numbers right now. I mean, it's and it's tough to, to say which side I like. Yeah, so the betting markets for this total have absolutely been pointing the other way. And I'm surprised by that because yep. when you think about the matchup, you know, we've seen a fair bit of sharp money uh, over uh, the total. And the leading indicator books, the books that cater to professional bettors, yep. are some of the ones with the highest totals out there uh, as we speak. And when I'm looking at the matchups, I'm baffled at how this game gets up uh, and over the total, and yet the sharp money's going that way. Do I worry about that sharp money, or I just play the under and not even think about it? I think you let the sharp money you know, drive it up. They're wrong too sometimes. And and I think the first team to 70 wins this game. I, I don't think both teams get 70. So I, I like the under. I mean, you kind of got to look. When I look at the totals, I'm like, what's the score going to be? And I think it's going to be in the 60s. Uh, you know, where one team gets 70 and the other team gets 60-something. So I, uh, I, I like the under. And, and a lot of times, sometimes you know these moves, Teddy. They're trying to drive that number up to get it to the weekend when the limits get higher. <laughs> And then they come back, and this thing closes 138. You go, yep, we was on it. So that's sometimes what's going on. I I, I don't always uh, agree with these early moves, and they always are. They don't always get there either. So, Dave, we're going to break down Sunday's games with Ralph Michaels in hour number two. I got to give you a couple seconds to remote here before we let you go. We're a little short on time. I apologize. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, yeah, the Twitter handle is uh, for Sportsbook Consigliere. Uh, it's SportsBKConsig. I do a, a podcast every week. It's called Cash Considerations. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts. I'm also on the grid Monday through Friday from 4 to 7 Pacific. We do a show with Gabe and Cam, uh, Gabe Morenci, Cam Stewart from 4 to 5. I'm on radio exclusively with uh, Donnie Wrightside and Kevin Walsh at 5 to 6. And then at 7... Dave Martinez and a guest host brings it home for my three hours on the grid talking about the games, in-game live, anything else, story time from the book. It's all there on the Twitter feed. Thank you for having me, Theodore. We'll be right back. Cover it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of our number one of coverage with Teddy Covers here in the Sports Grid Radio Network. Hour number two, Ralph Michaels is going to join us. The TNA man, trends and angles. He will help you and I break down the Sweet 16. We'll talk about Elite Eight trends as well. And don't let me forget to ask him about that incredible trend when a team knocks off a number one seed in the round of 16 
what we want to do with that team in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I'm hyping it up. It's a cool trend, and it's never lost in recent years. So uh, something worth noting. I'll talk about an opinion that I have uh, for the weekend, and I think I kind of teased it with Dave Sherapin earlier. Oral Roberts and Arkansas. Arkansas, let's call them 11, 11 and a half point favorites. And again, this is a rematch of a game that was played. The first half of that first meeting was all Golden Eagles. They went into the break. Arkansas was a 19 and a half point favorite in that game. And they went into the break down 10. Eric Musselman, a coach who we like, a coach who can make in-game adjustments very effectively. He went into halftime and said, hey, let's pound the paint against this team. And that's exactly what they did. They ended up outscoring them 57 to 36 after halftime. And now they get a second look at that. And it was all just throw the ball in the low post and get a layup. All high percentage looks against a team that can't match Arkansas on the glass and that can't match Arkansas when it comes to low post defensive intensity and that hasn't seen a whole lot of teams like Arkansas throughout the course of the season. So now they figured them out. Ohio State didn't get a chance to figure them out. You know, Florida literally choked away that game. I mean, two teams really choked away games last week. Rutgers should have beat Houston, and Florida should have beat Oral Roberts. And both those teams <laughs> choked it away, which kind of does happen at <laughs> tournament time or in the regular season. But it doesn't make Oral Roberts great. It just means the opponent that was supposed to beat them gave the game away. This time around, Arkansas is not giving this game away. I like the Razorbacks. Minus the points against Oral Roberts today. Hour number two coming up. Stay tuned. Coverage continues.